Welcome to the Stay Hot Podcast on the fourth edition of the 10th Region Weekly. I am Coach Kelch along with Evan Dennison of the Ledger Independent. And Evan, kind of a quiet week in the 10th Region. We did have a few teams who were participating in some pre-Christmas tournaments, but um, we had a few teams that played some single games here and there. But all in all, a pretty quiet week in the 10th. Yeah, you know, like you said, a couple holiday tournaments, invitationals or whatnot here and there, but, uh, you know, from – you know, Wednesday or Thursday on, there really wasn't too much action with, you know, Christmas coming up and, you know, everybody getting probably a little bit mini break that they probably look forward to, you know, based off getting started on October 15th and grinding for, you know, two months straight and you get a few days off. And I'm sure that that helps a lot of teams and helps them kind of recharge the batteries and, and get going here as, as the new year comes around. Well, and also in the time of COVID, I think, you know, that time off too can, uh, kind of allow you to uh, kind of mentally recharge as well because I think it's safe to say that, you know, going on two years now with COVID, it's affected, you know, high school sports, college sports, professional sports, and it's affected all the players and coaches in its own way. So anytime these kids and coaches get a chance to recharge their batteries, I think it's a good thing. But let's start in the Swagger Classic in Bellevue. It it was the tournament that um, I think we had three 10th region teams participate. I know Bishop Rosser was there, Bracken County was there, and Robertson County. Um, but all three teams got at least a win down there. But Bracken County um, went 2 and one down there and beat a very good Newport team and played close with the Holy Cross team, who I think is uh, probably one of the top teams in the ninth region, maybe top five. I know the ninth region's strong, but, uh, you know, they played Holy Cross tough there for a while. But Bracken went 2-1, and one, and uh, if I remember correctly, I wrote down in those two games – over the three games, Blake Reed combined for 121 points, um, scoring 51, 42, and 28. And Brother Caden even had a couple games of 29 and 20. So, Bracken County had a good week at the Swagger Classic. Yeah, two and one. Um, got a couple, you know, quality wins. Um, you know, Blake and Caden definitely did their thing and, and, and showed up and showed out and you know, they're seven and four on the year now. So, uh, you know, Bracken seems like they're kind of moving along and proving. Curious to see what they do this week because they've got a couple, you know, pretty good opponents. They got South Laurel, uh, which is a really good team um, this year, it looks like, out of the uh, 13th region. Um, and then uh, it looks like they've got uh, Shawnee, which I don't know too much about them. And then they play montgomery county which will be a good gauge uh you know for for a 10th region team and they'll be playing them on the road so uh you know looking forward to seeing what they do uh seeing kind of how they handle things with the success that they had and you know blake reed what a week you know he's, he's now um right there on the cusp of 2,000 career points if you count his seventh grade year at augusta um and uh, he, you know he's, he's starting to climb up the leaderboard in uh you know bracken county history in terms of point scores he's already in the top five Kid's only a sophomore, so um, it looks like by the end of the year he'll be top two with Austin Crawford being number one and, you know, eventually whether it be his junior or senior year uh, surpassing uh, Mr. Crawford as Bracken County's all-time leading scorer. And what a lot of people don't know is, and I've dug in deep to find this and talk to people, his 121 points was four behind what used to be Dante Allen's record in the Swagger Classic of 125 total points. Um, we'll mention here in a minute, Justin Becker broke that record this week at the Swagger. He scored 136 points, but Dante did hold the record till this week of 125 total points, and Blake put up 121. So, you know, in rare company. But uh, as you mentioned, um, 
pushing 2,000, probably going to get 3,000 sometime as junior, late junior year, early, probably junior year if you look at how much games we got left this year. And, you know, Blake's yeah. just an elite scorer. He scores going to the rim. Um, he can hit, you know, the mid-range jumper, the three. He shoots the free throw line, which, you know, may be one of the weaker parts of his game is his free throw shooting. And um, But he's still a kid I don't want to see on the line late in the game. He's just kind of got that stone-cold killer mentality of, you know, if he gets a chance to put you away, he will. And I said it when I coached. Um, I felt like he was probably the single hardest individual player in the region to guard because um, you can't back off of him. You got to respect his three. If you pressure the ball, he can drive by. He finishes with both hands well around the rim. So uh, just a phenomenal week for Blake and Bracken County, honestly, down there at the Swagger Classic. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, with his improved, looks like his three-point strokes really starting to find his groove too. He's up to 32% on the year. He had had a rough start. I think he was like six for, for 30. So he's around 20% his first five or six games. And, and you know, it seems like his last – five or six games that that three-point stroke is, is really getting in rhythm for him and just adding another dimension to his being able to score at all three levels. And um, I mentioned a while ago that Justin Becker broke Dante's record of 136 points. Um, Robertson County went one and two in the Swagger Classic. They got a good win against Bellevue. They, they started off the tournament with Holy Cross, not only a very good Holy Cross, but a hungry, determined, you know, Jacob Meyer, um, who him and Justin have kind of went back and forth as the all or as the uh, leading scorer in the state, but um, they ended the week on a very disappointing loss to Williamstown, and because of that loss to Williamstown, I dropped them in the rankings this week. But uh, as I mentioned before, um, Justin broke Dante's record of 136 points in three games. So um, 136 points in three games, you're looking at a 40, 45 average, or right around you know 40. And that's just, you know, another good week individually for Justin, but kind of a disappointing week for Robertson County. Yeah, six straight games now. He scored 40-plus. Uh, it's brought his average up to 40.4 a night. So, I mean, that's video game numbers. You know, it's it's reminding me a lot of Dante Allen's senior season. And, you know, knock on wood, hopefully it, it doesn't end like the way it did when, you know, Dante suffered a knee injury and put him out, uh, out the rest of the season. And I believe it was like a – Christmas tournament or post-Christmas tournament at uh, Pendleton County. So, you know, his numbers that he's putting up are phenomenal um, and the way he's doing it too, like you had mentioned last week and, and Coach Massey had mentioned last week, just how efficiently he's doing it, and, you know, shooting such high percentages from the field and, uh, you know, still trying to keep his teammates involved with, with a couple assists a game and then also rebounding the ball at a high level too. So, you know, he's, he's really close to, you know, 1,000 career rebounds as well. He's got 972 right now. So, a couple more games, he'll hit the 1,000 rebound mark. And then, um, you know, he's 428 points shy of the 3,000-point marker. So, um, some bright bright things ahead for, for Mr. Becker. And, you know, I, I think that team is, is still trying to find themselves. Um, you know, Jacob Burden came back from an injury. Seems like he re-injured himself the game he got back. So, uh, they just need to get everybody healthy. Um, they'll they'll have the post Christmas break off. Um, they were supposed to play down at Wayne County, but it looks like that had been kind of wiped out due to illnesses and some injuries. And then they'll get back in action January third when they um, host Bath County. That leads into the All A. So imagine they'll be you know tweaking some things, getting things together, and you know the 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 big part of their season comes January seventh when they um, play Calvary Christian in the All A. Right and. Uh... 
you know, they was really looking forward to playing in Wayne County this week. I think it was going to be a good test for them. But also, you know, you can't go down there with only six players when you're playing three days in a row. But uh, um, I did hear that Jacob Burden was due back on January 3rd. I don't know how well he'll be in that game against Bath County on the 3rd. But if you get him back a few days before the LA where you get him in practice, maybe get him some sort of game shape or whatever. He may be, a, you know, somebody that can contribute in that game with Calvary. But um, Bishop Brosser was the other 10th region team that went down to the Swagger Classic. They also went one and two. They lost a very tough game to Metcalf County in the, in the on the first night, 61-59. Then they um, lost to uh, Lloyd Memorial, who – I think has beat a couple 10th region teams this year. Lloyd seems to be having a pretty good season early on. And then they finished off the week with a, a victory over Carroll County. So with that win over Carroll County, Bishop Brossard improved their record to a four and seven. But um, I still think, you know, Coach Code mentioned that it may be after Christmas before he feels like they're where they need to be just because of getting the football guys late and just, you know, and he was trying to play a lot of games to try to figure out the rotation, but it seems to me like um, they're still trying to figure that out. Yeah, they'll have another week to do that again this week. They, they go to the Henry County Invitational, and they'll play three games in three days during that, and then they'll get homes on January 3rd, and then it's go time for the All-A. And, you know, no knock on Nicholas County, but it's somewhat of a fortunate draw for them that they got them in the first round, and, I think they should be able to handle their business in that game and take care of the Blue Jackets, and then they'll wait the Augusta Bracken County winner in the second round of the All-A. But, you know, it, it does seem like they're starting to kind of gain their bearings a little bit. Like you said, a, a tough loss to Metcalf County and then a Lloyd Memorial team that's that seems like they're a, a very formidable opponent and then followed it up with the Brossert defensive-like effort and beating a team 52-29 and, you know, holding Carroll County to 29 points. So, I think they'll they'll really ratchet things up here the next two weeks, and then uh, January eighth, it's 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 go time for for the Mustangs, and you know a, a tournament they're very you know successful in, and and have you know a long years of titles to go behind their name. And um, you know I'm looking through their roster here because I was talking about their rotation. They've got eight guys. You know they've played eleven games total. They've got eight guys that have played ten or more games. And they got one guy that played nine. So it looks like they're willing to go nine deep if they need to, which, you know, in the all-A, you know, when the tournament games, you know, the officials tend to call it maybe a little tighter, may let it get a little bit more physical. But I think the more guys you can play and the more guys in your rotation that can contribute, then obviously that's going to be beneficial. And I just remember when I talked to Coach Code, I always wondered if Bishop Brosser took the All-A as serious as like Augusta, Roberts, and Bracken, because there for a while it was like a Bishop Brosser invitation. Um, but, you know, after talking to Coach Code, you know, I feel like, you know, that's one of the reasons why they continue to have success in the All-A is because their first half of the season is all preparation for the All-A, and they take it so serious because, you know, as an All-A school, they get to participate at the state level if you win. So, um, although it was like the Brossard Invitational, I think a lot of that was because of how serious they really took it. Yeah, and then it's, it's just the mental thing, too. When you win that much, you know, it, other teams, it, they focus in on that, and maybe it gets them off of their game because they want that one so bad. Like, oh, we got to take down the champs. You know, this is, this is the game we really want. And, you know, that mental thing sometimes could be a hurdle, you know, and – I, I think that plays a factor too. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the, uh, the mental is the big edge that they have over a lot of the 10th region, all a schools is that um, let's move on to uh, the king of the bluegrass. Um, 
GRC had a really good week at the King of Bluegrass. I think they went 4-1 and one down there. They went 2-0 and oh last week. I think we talked about their first two games last Sunday. I remember talking about the game they lost to the uh, team out of South Carolina. But mm-hmm. uh, this week they had wins over North, North Oldham, who's a very strong team out of the eighth. And then I think they took an Ashland team, who I feel is a top-five team in the region – or region, sorry, top-five team in the state. And I think they took a close game at half and ended up winning that game by 36. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty good outcome for the Cardinals at, uh, down in Louisville at the King of the Bluegrass. You know, they like you said, they beat Lake Highland Prep, followed that out with a loss to Dorman, South Carolina, who looked to be a very tough opponent. And looks like they would have taken down North Laurel, but Reed Shepard did some Superman-type things in that game and, you know, got North Laurel to the uh, the championship game. And then, um, you know, they went down in the consolation bracket, beat North Oldham, and then, you know, beat an Ashland Blazer team. You know, full disclosure on that one, Cole, Cole Villers was out. You know, he's a big piece of that Tomcat three-point barrage that they like to kind of throw out there. But I thought they played really well down there. Jerome Morton had a really good week and showed every bit of why he's a, a Division One basketball player. You know, he averaged 23 points a game down there. And Trent Edwards played really good, too. I mean, his efficiency was through the charts, um, you know, in that tournament. And I think those two guys, you know, really stuck out. Um, you know, and then obviously the other usual suspects and, and Tanner Walton, Sam Parrish, and, you know, Aiden Sloan. I saw his assist numbers each game, and he was getting six to eight assists, it seems, every single game. And his scoring was maybe only at six or eight points, but he knows his role on that team, and that's to get everybody involved. And he does such a great job of getting into the paint and finding guys and, you know, that, that team's just really good. I mean, they're they're arguably right now a, a top three team in the state. You know, I would I would definitely put, you know, Covenant Catholic up there. Um, Ballard. Ballard, obviously. And I think they have it right there with, with either Louisville Mail, you know, the North Laurels. And I, I'd say GRC's right there in that three to five mix in terms of top teams in the state. With, I think it's pretty clear cut that Ballard and Covcath are, are one and two. And – I've been keeping a close eye on GRC and I've yet to see um, like a weakness. I don't know how a team in the 10th, what game plan they have to put together to beat that team. They can shoot the ball. um, They D you up, you know, a lot of teams like that that are really strong offensively. You might be able to apply a little, you know, if you're a good offensive team, you might be able to stay in the game, but um, Sam Parrish is a lockdown defender. I think Aiden Sloan pressures the ball really well. Then you always got the length of Trent Edwards and Jerome Morton, who are super, you know, hard to shoot over. Um, Jerome was uh, on the uh, all-tournament team at the King of the Bluegrass. You mentioned, you know, the week he had. He he was selected as a on the all-tournament team, so that was a, a big honor for him. But, you know, this week they're going to be tested again. Um, yeah. They play uh, in the White Greer Maggard Orthodontics Holiday Classic or whatever it is at Lexington Catholic. But I tell you, the – you know, you, we mentioned Ballard earlier, and, um, you know, Ballard beat Great Crossing up there today by, like, 35 or 40. And I watched Great Crossing beat Augusta by double figures, and I thought Great Crossing was a nice, solid basketball team, and Ballard beat them easily. And, you know, talking about GRC, they play at 2 o'clock tomorrow, and they'll play Woodford County, who uh, beat Henry Clay today in the first game of the tournament. So, at 2 o'clock tomorrow, GRC will take – on Woodford County, who has a nice team themselves. Yeah, that should be an interesting game. Um, I did see where John McCreer, um, I believe that's uh, Vince Merrow's uh, nephew, 
Uh, he played at Lex Lexington um, Catholic last year and transferred to Woodford County. And I know they got Jackson Twombly as, as well, who transferred over from Frankfurt. So they got a couple guys that can go. Um, but I know McGreer left today's game. Uh, looks like I guess they said he had ice on his knee. So I don't know his availability tomorrow. But hopefully they're all systems go. And, you know, GRC, it looks like, you know, in terms of, of the bracket, you know, they got they got a buy this today. Everybody else played today and they had a buy. So they're in the quarterfinals and they'll play Woodford and then, you know, a right to kind of keep advancing on from there. But um, looks like it'll be, you know, Ballard a possible opponent, I think, in the semifinals. And then I, I think right now, as we speak, Trinity and North Laurel are playing and that, that should be a very, you know, high powered octane game as well. I saw where North Laurel was up five at the half. And something okay. I noticed about North Laurel that I thought was kind of odd, I saw a few video clips. They play a lot of two, three zones. Um, yeah, I don't know if they have the horses to play man to man with these top flight teams. You know, Reed, that just shows just how exceptional Reed Shepard is as a basketball player. That well, and if you remember uh, what happened to him last year when they played that televised game against Lexington Catholic, yeah, um, yeah. how they kind of, you know, Reed did his thing, and I think they have another nice player in Davison. Um, but you know, I think as you said, the horses they just don't have, you know, like like a Ballard or. You know, and I was kind of surprised they beat GRC, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I mean, it's a final now. It looks like North Laurel beat Trinity 68 to 65. So, breaking news on the podcast. Was it now? North Laurel beat Trinity. They won 68-65. And I, I'm sorry, and I don't, North Laurel didn't beat GRC, did they? No, no, no. no. The team out of South Carolina beat Yeah, that's right. South Carolina, yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, like we mentioned last week, you know, GRC needs these two tournaments here, you know, the King of the Bluegrass and this one, to be challenged, uh, you know, to find out what areas of weakness they may have to kind of fix before they go make a region run. But, you know, and like I said, I think there may be only two teams in the region this year that may be able to even, you know, compete with them being Mason and Campbell. And I think, you know, from what I've seen from Campbell early on, they would need a really good flawless game you know, to even hang around. But, you know, I think Mason County's built for a game like that with GRC. I think they can defend that. But um, but right yeah, now – Campbell gave him a game, you know, the opener. I, mean, I know it was the opener and whatnot, but, you know, it was a 76-65 final. And right. I know At GRC Campbell, was right? possibly ahead, you know, it looked like between, you know, six and 12 points throughout the majority. So – but it's still, you know, a competitive game and, and one I think, you know, come – Come late February, early March at the field house um, on a neutral floor. Um, you know, things things could be different. And, and I I'm, I've said it before, get a get going. I'm, I'm not betting against Eric Russell. I'm just not okay. going to do it. I'm just the man, you know, the success he's had the last, you know, several years in the 10th region is just, you know, impeccable. And um, the man's proved he could get it done. And, and he gets it done with, you know, his guys and, you know, they're a nice team. They have they have guards. They have Daz Davy in the middle, you know. So they got they got a nice basketball team. It just I feel like from what I've seen of Clark, like you got to be clicking on all cylinders and hope Clark has a bad shooting night or a bad offensive night. They just seem to have so many weapons right now. They don't they don't seem to have many weaknesses, and they're just you know they're a nice basketball team. Absolutely, and I, I think the Camels are really going to start getting going. Um, I talked to one of their assistant coaches last week after. They lost at the buzzer to Walton Verona. Um, I'm sure people have seen that clip or highlight. A heck of a pass from a kid from Walton Verona. 
it was like a back shoulder fade, like Aaron Rodgers hit Devontae Adams. And then the kid from Verona buries a three from about free throw line extended. And um, and that that put him up 73-71 and one at the buzzer. Ball and Verona's tough. I mean, the Bearcats are in the eighth region. I'm excited. I'll get to see them this week at the uh, MCIT. They got a great first-round matchup with Warren Central. But back to the Camels, I mean, they seem like they're starting to kind of get things going. They beat St. Henry earlier in the week and then just meet, miss beating Walton Verona. So they seem like they're kind of – Figuring things out, getting going after a bit of a slow start. You know, they started, I believe it was like two and five. You know, now they're they're four and six. They'll play at Nicholas County this week in their little Christmas tournament. They play Anderson County and Franklin County. Looks like a couple opportunities to grab a couple wins. And then I'm hoping to catch them January 4th when they play at Bracken County in Brooksville. And that's going to be a rematch of last year's uh, 10th region quarterfinals that went to double overtime. And it was a classic. I mean, Bracken missed, you know, a buzzer beater in the first OT to win the game. And then, heck, I mean, the Camels are four seconds away, two games later from winning another 10th region title before GRC beats them at the buzzer. So I'm telling you, keep your eye on Cam the Camels. I think they're going to start really kind of getting their groove here in January and then really kind of get going once, you know, February rolls around. And it'd be hard-pressed to find a team that's played as tough a schedule early on as what Campbell County has. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've always told people, you know, you know, I remember – you know, when we would make the region at Robertson County or even at Augusta, when they'd play a Scott or a Campbell and they'd go into the region and their record's like 10 and 15 or yeah. 15 and 15, people's like, oh, they're not that good. They're 15 and 15. Well, look at the schedule they play. And yeah. um, th they've been, they've been, I guess I would say, challenged. They've been tested. And like you said, I agree. I think, you know, I think we'll see them get it going here. Um, let's go to um, – the Scott Winter Classic. Um, Scott's still an enigma to me. Um, they went 0-3 in the Winter Classic, but they've only got three guys on their roster that have played in every game that they've played. Um, Mitchell Miner, their point guard's only played in three games, and I got word that Braden Howe, who is their leading scorer, also got hurt during mm -hmm. the Scott Winter Classic. I don't know how bad it is, or I don't know the timetable or time frame on a return, but I know I'm pretty confident he didn't play in that Batavia game. And a team that's already missing players, struggling um, to win games, struggling on the offensive end. Anytime you lose your leading score, um, it's going to be a nightmare. And, you know, S Scott's played a tough schedule too. But, you know, at one and nine, I, I don't think one and nine is indicative of the basketball team that they are. But I, I just don't know when they're going to get completely healthy, when they're going to get everybody back. And right now they're just – they're a team that's struggling. I'm sure they're hoping come Tuesday they've, they've got some health because that's going to be a, a good gauge of a game when they play Calvary Christian, you know, a, a district opponent, a seed game, and, and one, you know. And that game's at Calvary, right? Uh, let's see here. It looks like it is at Calvary Christian, correct? At I'm just saying, Calvary's a tough place to play for anybody. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, for Coach Frohmeyer's sake and Scott, I hope they at least have, you know – get their team back here starting the new year and um I think but man is where they're kind of really missing though I mean I know they love to play fast paced and up tempo games but you know and their four losses over the last you know week and a half 88 93 92 and 64 points allowed I mean you know and again they're missing guys so it's like you said it's hard to gauge and you know at one and nine it's obviously not an attractive record and I know it's wearing on those guys. It's, you know, I know, I know that coaching staff well with 
Chris Stapleton and Jeremy Ziegler and, you know, those guys. And, you know, they're they're really good coaches. But, you know, I'm sure the, the losing is something that they're not used to and, um, you know, something that I think come Tuesday will hopefully get a gauge if, they, if they're, you know, somewhat near full strength. And then, um, you know, going into the new year um, as well, you know, kind of where they're at. Right, and I think we won't know how good that team is until they get at full strength. And like you said, hopefully um, they're, they get them back for district-seeded games at least because that'd be a bad deal for those guys to somehow get a four seed in, in that tough district, you know. But um, That's a great point because, I mean, you know, Rossert and Calvary, I mean, there's just no slouch. There's no easy easy wins in that district. And the last thing you want to do is, is be the four and, and have to – most likely play Campbell County in the, in the first round. Right, and like you said, and, and by, by all means, I think that's the toughest district we have this year in the 10th because, like you said, there are no easy wins. Um, yeah, top to bottom, I agree. You know, I, I definitely agree. Right, obviously it'd be hard to say that, you know, 40th in the toughest because Clark, but, you know, but from top to bottom, you know, within that district, I don't think there's any easy wins or cupcakes. And I think on any given night, you know, you can have an upset in that district, but um, stay in that district with Calvary. They went to Gatlinburg and they played in the uh, Smoky Mountain Classic. They went one and two down there. They beat us. They beat a team out of Mississippi and end up losing to a team out of uh, Notre Dame, Tennessee, out of Chattanooga, um, 74-30. Their win was 55-49. Then they lost a close one to Hazard, 59-47. So, um Good competition down there for Calvary. I think they probably got better this week. I know they're wanting to play a lot of games to kind of get Luke Rui back in game shape before um, the All-A. But uh, I looked up Ethan Malling. He had a game of 29 down there, and that's the Thomas Moore commit, the point guard. And I think he's go- he um, is really going to open some eyes up this year for guys to see him play. Um, when I saw him play at Nicholas County in the preseason, um, he was way better than I remembered him a year before when I coached against him. So a lot of hard work for him, a lot of uh, time he's put in to improve, to get his game up. But uh, him and Luke Rui are from formidable one-two punch. And I think Calvary, you know, they're seven and four right now, but like, as we've mentioned, um, their schedule still don't really know. I think Tuesday with Scott, we'll probably get a, a more clear picture on Calvary. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, the one-two punch and how dynamic they are. I just think where they're struggling is getting production elsewhere. It looks like Gavin Yusko is right around 10 points per game and then no one else is is, is over five. So I, I think that their depth is, is maybe what's kind of, you know, holding them from wanting to take the next step. I mean, preseason, you know, they were gunning for 24 wins. I think that's what they had said, you know, before the season started that would have put them as, you know, the most – winning a senior class in program history with, I think, 80 wins in four years, which, you know, is quite an accomplishment for a smaller school like that. So Tuesday's going to tell us a lot again, you know, and I kind of want to see where they're at because they've really yet to play anybody in the region except St. Patrick, who's, you know, ranked at 16th. So let's see kind of where they're at Tuesday. And then I think we can kind of maybe get a little bit of a gauge of of, of where they are in in terms of, you know, where, where to rank them in the region. And also, one last thing on Calvary, um, they uh, – or was it – yeah, Calvary, I'm thinking – it was – oh, um, the Keating um, 
shoots the ball. Like the Saturday I watched him, he hit five or six threes in that scrimmage, shot the ball really mm-hmm. well. I know he's struggling from the three once the season started. I know mm-hmm. there was one game I think he shot like nine or ten threes and maybe hit one. Um, his percentage was like in the 20s the last time I checked. Yeah, it still is. He's at 11 for 47 on the season. So, And I think he's a much better shooter than that. And I think, you know, maybe he'll get going. And I think that he'll help with the scoring. But one thing I want to compliment um, Coach uh, Donaldson on is, you know, like you said, they're getting production from two, three when USCO gets in double figures, people, and they're not scoring a lot of points. But he plays a 3-2 zone, and he's got some length. And he kind of minimizes teams' possessions because against that 3-2 zone, if you take a quick shot, you fall right into their hands. So he's making you play offense for a good 25, 30 seconds, which I think is going to keep the scores lower, which I think will benefit his team. Yeah, and that's very interesting dynamic come tournament play. You know, when when they're going to be playing, you know, Robertson County, you know, they'll key in obviously on Justin Becker, and I'm sure they're going to try and make everybody else, you know, hurt them. Um, so – you know, I think it's an interesting strategy and a way to kind of advance further on in, in tournament plays is, is grinding out possessions, keeping possessions low, and, you know, just trying to keep games as close as possible. And uh, and I, if I'm mistaken, if I'm not mistaken here, I think the last of the holiday tournaments was the Pikeville Invitational Tournament where Mason County went down. And um, Mason County had a good showing down there. It went two and one. Um beat a East Ridge team who uh, I was told from, and I think we talked about this last week, how they could be kind of the uh, team that challenges Pikeville for the 15th region, um, which I know Mace can end up losing to Betsy Lane on that, you know, in that kind of the middle of the three games, which I think Betsy Lane's also a 15th region team, aren't they? Yeah. Yes, they are. And then they finished the week um, beating um, a Pike County Central team who's got former 10th region player in Jalen Rigdon, who I know scored 23 against Mason County, so a good showing for Jalen. But I think it was a good showing for the Royals, and I'll tell you why I think so. Not only because they went 2-1, and one, I don't think there's very many tournaments that uh, Mason County can go to where they don't finish 2-1. and one. I think they're that good of a basketball team. I think they're well coached. But what I think um, really Mason County benefited this week from is I think Nate Mitchell's getting back to being himself. Yeah, I think yeah. early on when Nate first came back from the ankle injury, he looked a little timid. He wasn't really attacking the basket. He was relying on jump shots. But uh, he averaged 19.3 points per game in the three games at, at the Pikeville Invitational Tournament. And Terrell did Terrell things, averaging 24. So I think when you get those two guys averaging close to 45 a game, um, I think that's what make Mace County hard to beat. He beat me to it, man. I was going to give Nate his props because he's, you know, he's playing – he's starting to seem like he's getting in his groove and – you know, attacking more, and, and, and you know, the thing I've noticed, he's he's got a nice three-point stroke um, so far this season, too. So, you know, you get those two together, and, um, you know, I, I just think they need to get a consistent third score, whether it be, you know, KG Walton on some nights, Philip Beerley, Braylon Hamilton, or a Mason Butler. If they can get that third consistent score nightly, they're going to be a tough out. Um, but the Betsy Lane game, they lost by six. From what I heard, Betsy Lane had a lot of size, and that that's just something that gives, you know, Mason County issues and something to where, you know, it just kind of um, – I think from what I understood, if, if I saw the stat sheet right, Mason County took like 20 more shots in that game than Betsy Lane. It's just, you know, Betsy Lane ate, ate everything up uh, despite their maybe high turnovers. And then um, – 
but they, you know, they bounced back the next day, got a win over Pike Central, had a big third quarter in that game. It was a three-point game at halftime, and they extended that lead out to about 20 by the by the fourth quarter. And it's all about this week now, man. I mean, the MCIT, uh, I know we want to talk about that. and It's a tournament that I'm really excited for and looking forward to and something where I hope, uh, you know, Coach Kirk and the, uh, you know, the ADs over there don't charge me rent at the field house because I'm going to be there quite a bit for the next uh, three days on Tuesday, starting on Tuesday. Well, let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, I know you got the brackets out there. Let's uh, kind of go ahead and give the people uh, – I know it starts on Tuesday, right, Tuesday the 28th. And <laughs> I know when I looked at the field, I think it's a very strong field. I think uh, Mason County um, coach uh, Kirk as well as Coach Gilbert have done a good job putting together a competitive field, and I think we're going to have a good three days of basketball. I know I can't wait to watch, and um, I probably won't spend as much time there as you, but I plan on being there and watching a lot of the basketball games. So go ahead and tell us kind of game by game, you know, who we got. Well, it's a great field. You know, outside of maybe the king of the bluegrass in Lexington, it, I, I think it's one of the better tournaments in the state. You've got uh, four teams in the top 28 right now in RPI. Uh, Perry County Central's number two. Orange Central, number 20, who looks really good on paper. Uh, Collins, number 25. Mason County, number 28. And then two others in the top 100, which was, you know, Fleming County at 58 and Walton Verona at 75. And then two other teams, you know, I'm just basing that off RPI numbers, which, you know, at the end of the day, don't really mean much outside of a district tiebreaker. Uh, Augusta being uh, in there in Bryan Station. So seven of those eight teams have a winning record. The combined record um, between those eight teams, I believe, is 55 and 19 as of today. So wow, it looks like a really, really good field. Um, the only team with the losing record is Bryan Station. And, heck, their four losses are to, like, Madison Central, um, Dunbar, Henry Clay, and then uh, someone else that's, that's, that's really good. So – it's a loaded field. Really looking forward to it. Uh, it starts at 2 p.m. on Tuesday. Uh, you'll get to see a Collins team that's really good out of the eighth region. Um, they've won that, that that school formed in 2010, and they've got three region titles in that 11-year span. Uh, they've got former Mr. Basketball Davion McKnight, who's playing at Western Kentucky now. Um, you know he's an alum, and it looks like they've got a really good team. And they'll play Fleming County starting at two and. The Panthers are a much improved team. I mean, they're seven and two to start the season. Buddy Biggs has them playing really well and looks like they're on track for their first winning season since 2013-14 season when they won the 16th region title. Um, following that day, it'll be Augusta versus Bryan Station, which I think is going to be a unique game. Bryan Station, I think they're going to be, you know, very athletic and want to get after you. And, you know, Augusta wants to, you know, play a fast tempo as well and, two teams that I think that really get out and go. So it should be a, you know, high scoring, uh, fun, you know, a fun game to watch. And uh, come six o'clock, I think to me, it's, it's probably going to be the best game of the day when Warren Central and Walton Verona square off. Warren Central, you know, they, they're a tradition rich program. Uh, they've got, you know, four guys averaging double figures. Uh, they shoot the ball really well. I mean, they're in the top 50 in the state in almost like every offensive category. Um, so they're a really good team. Looking forward to seeing them play. And, you know, William Unsell is a great coach. Uh, you know, I've spoke with him at state tournaments before. And, you know, they're, they're a team that wins region titles. And, and, you know, that means, you know, something. And I think, you know, Mason County fans probably still have a uh, bitter taste in their mouth from, you know, 2004 when, you know, they beat them in the state championship. 
Warren Central did. And they'll play a Walton Verona team that lights it up from the outside. I mean, heck, they got two guys that can flat out fill it up and Brant Smithers and Cameron Christie. Both those kids are hitting three and a half three-pointers a game. So those two alone are hitting about seven threes a night. And as a team, they shoot at about 40% from the three-point line. So that should be a really good game. And then the nightcap, uh, another great game, Mason County taking on Perry County Central. You know, Perry County's ranked number two in the RPI. They lost the first game of the season, and they've won 11 games in a row since. So it looks like they've got, you know, three or four guys that can fill it up. Looks like they like to play fast-paced. I mean, they're putting up 70.8 points per game. So, and you know, I, I think any 10th region fan knows the way Mason County wants to play, and that's fast-paced as well. And, and, you know, they're coming in. Looks like they're averaging 70 point, um, 75.4 points per game. So they're, you know, they're a top 20 offense in terms of points per game. They shoot it well. And, uh, you know, like we said, we've hit on Terrell and Nate. And, you know, they've got a lot of weapons and, you know, they'll be at home. So should be a great first day of basketball. And, you know, it's a, it's a winner's bracket and a loser's bracket type uh, MCIT where, you know, winners keep advancing. And then on the final day, they'll have a uh, first, third, fifth, and seventh place game. Um, starting at noon on Thursday and, you know, three straight days of, of what should be really high quality, high level basketball. And um, you mentioned uh, the uniqueness of the Augusta Bryan station game. Um, I just watched Augusta and Tate's Creek this week. And I think that was a good game for Augusta to have before Bryan station, because I think they're going to be kind of mirror images of each other. And Augusta got down double figures in the third quarter before they started they put on an offensive clinic there in the second half, and the spacing was good. The movement was good. They knocked down open shots before Kaysen Hitson hit a buzzer beater to win, I think, 76-74. Um, so I look for Augusta to be able to use some of the things they did against Tate's Creek, against Bryan Station. And so that I look for that to be a competitive game. And you mentioned tradition-rich Warren Central. I remember there was a time, and I don't remember the time like the years, but they like Rupp Arena was like their second home. It's like they won the fourth region like five years in a row or five out of six. It seemed like they played more games in Rupp Arena over the course of that stretch than they may have at home. It seems like, you know, when I first here's, started going to the state tournament. Let me let me cut you off just a quick stat. And uh since 2002, they have 12 region titles. So there you go. You know, I mean that's kind of how that run has gone. And I'm and I'm not kidding. It seemed like every year they were at Rupp Arena, and that's kind of the time when I started um, going consistently was kind of in the early 2000s. So it might have been at that time. But you know, I was going to mention the Mason County and Lonel DeWalt, you know, off the miss dunk, and you know, but uh, you know, hats off to Brian and uh, Mason County, and you know, just to put together a field of eight teams that I think all eight teams could win it. I mean, they're, it's competitive, and it shows you how competitive it is. Mason County's playing the uh, number two RPI in the state in the first round. Yeah, they didn't do themselves any favors. I mean, usually, no, you, I, usually you schedule a cupcake in your own tournament for at least – I was going to say, I hope, uh, I, hope Brian and, I hope Brian and Jordan listen because I need to give them a lessons on how to, how to put together brackets for a tournament. Ask me. I, I, which, of course, though, Evan, in all honesty, I mean – who do you put them against for a cupcake in that field? I mean, there isn't a right. cupcake. I mean, you're not um, going to play Augusta again, and I'm not saying Augusta's a cupcake by right. any means, but they're in your region. You don't want to play your district. Well, district they're in low. your district, and you've already well, played them once. 
Plymouth County, you're already playing twice this year. You know, you you don't really want to play them a third time. And then, you know, the other five teams, I mean, heck, you know, on paper it looks like Bryan Station might be the worst team. But, I mean, they're, they're an impressive team that has a, a couple good wins too. So it's a great field. And, you know, talking to those guys about it, you know, I, this is something that I had, you know, looked into when they first announced it. I think it was in like May that they were bringing it back. And that's that's how quickly it forms, you know, because you know how it works as a coach. You got contracts filled out. You've already got your Christmas tournament usually by May. And uh, this is something they really put together and, and kind of a nick of time and wanted to do it right. And, you know, hats off to those guys in terms of the teams that are coming. I mean, they, this is a great field. And, you know, it's something I've looking forward to since the start of the season. I'm like, man, I can't wait for this, you know, especially being, you know, in our backyard at the field house. Um, and just kind of mention, you know, Campbell County, uh, as we mentioned, they didn't play in any Christmas tournaments preseason. They only played one game last week to Walton Verona. Um, Harrison County didn't play last week, but they are going to Henry County Invitational this week. And they got Iroquois, I think, in the first-round game of that one. Um, Pendleton County also didn't play in the uh, any preseason – or, I'm sorry, preseason – any pre-Christmas tournaments. But they also have the Fuller Ford Phillip Wood Classic this week, and I think there's four teams over there. Um, I know they um, – I can't remember who the other – I know Carroll County is one of them. Lewis County. Lewis. And then uh, I'll tell you here in one sec. I believe it is um... – So, Pendleton, Carroll, Lewis. Thomas Nelson. Thomas Nelson. I saw Thomas Nelson at Nicholas County that day. They got they got some nice guards. They're, they're, but I'll be honest with you, those four teams right there, I think Pendleton County's got a really good chance to pick up a couple wins. Um, yeah, they need them. I mean, they they've they've struggled early on, and you know those those a lot of those games, it's it hasn't been you know too competitive. And um, but like you said, they'll be at home. They've they've had ten days to prepare for this, and you know I know Coach Ellsburn well, and. They'll have his guys ready. You know, they're gonna they're gonna play hard. They're gonna continue to play hard despite, you know, the score or whatever it is. And you know, like you said, a, a chance to maybe pick up a couple wins for them and get momentum on their side as they head into the new year. Right. And I I think uh, like you kind of stole my thunder. I was gonna talk about how you know Coach Ellsworth ten days preparing. You know, those guys are gonna play hard. So I look for that to be a competitive two days. And um, mm-hmm. Nicholas County. They didn't play in any pre-Christmas tournaments, but they went 0-2 last week, dropping their record to 1-8. They lost to Eminence and Menifee County. And Menifee County's got one of the more underrated players in the state, a really high scorer in Eli Johnson. So if people out there get a chance to watch him play, I'd recommend it. He's a nice player. And tell us a little bit about the uh, Nicholas County Holiday Classic. I know you mentioned Campbell County was going to be over there. And they, you know, play Anderson County. But who else is in that? Do you know? Uh, Adair County's in it. Uh, that's Boots. coach Darren Breeze. Yep. Old Bracken County guy. Yeah. And he's, uh, uh, I think he's from Harrison County. So a 10th oh, reach guy, coach Darren Breeze. Okay. And then you got Boone, Boone County's in it. Uh, Frankfurt and Holmes. Uh, looks like Prestonsburg's there. So it looks like it's a variety of teams. It's not like a tournament set up. It's just kind of like a, you know, invitational type deal. Um, so they'll have three days worth of games starting tomorrow. Um, looks like Frankfurt versus Holmes at two o'clock, Boone County, Anderson County at four, and then Adair County, Nicholas County at six. And then the following day, you got Campbell versus Anderson, uh, Franklin County versus Boone County, Prestonsburg versus Nicholas County, 
and then uh, games, three games again on on Wednesday as well. So good job by you know Coach Wrights, John Michael Wrights, getting that tournament together. I know they had they had a great tournament last year uh, scheduled. I know quite a few of the uh, area teams. I know Mason County was scheduled to go there. Augusta was scheduled to go there last year, but you know COVID derailed those plans and canceled any sort of Christmas tournaments for anybody. So, but it looks like they kind of rebounded and, and you know got a nice little classic going for them. Right, and I, you know, I think I'd like to go over there and watch today, but I think it's going to be overshadowed by the MCIT and just yeah. that competitive field that Mason County's put together makes it real attractive as a fan. So, um, the only 39th team we've not mentioned so far is St. Pat, and we mentioned last week that St. Pat would have a chance to win two in a row, and they did. They beat Cove Latin before losing, and and I only saw the score, but it looks to be a fairly competitive loss to Menifee County. Yeah. You know, it looks like they took one on the chin, 78-59. Um, so, you know, hats off to Coach Moore and the boys. And looks like in their, uh, you know, their, their couple big wins, Alan Bersanio had a big game. He had 22 points in their win over Covington Latin. And Chase Walton, you know, he brings it every night. You know, he's, he's a double-double candidate on, you know, any given night. And I know he's up there in the top 50 in the state in terms of rebounders. He's close to 10 rebounds a game. And, you know, he's averaging 18.7 points a night and 9.8 rebounds a game. So, you know, the Saints are improving. You know, they're getting better. Um, it's just a long road for them. I mean, they, they've had to rebuild that thing, you know, from the ground up. And I think this week will be a good test for them. They play at Paris uh, on December 28th, which is, I believe, Tuesday. So that's their only game this week. And, you know, uh, a game that you know, I think they can be competitive in. And, you know, let's, let's see what happens there. I, I do as well. And, you know, like you said, hats off to Coach Moore for, you know, we, he knew it was going to be a long road, a long process, and hats off for him for willing to take that journey and improving these guys. And, you know, I think two wins in a row is a big deal for that program, and hopefully it's momentum they can build on. And um, in the 40th, uh, Bourbon, Bourbon and Paris didn't play last week. Um, Bourbon County is going to the Howard Carpenter Classic at Mercer County this week. So, um, they've only played six games. They're one of the um, least played teams or amount of games played in the 10th is, right now is Bourbon County. And and Paris is um, not playing in any pre- or post-holiday tournaments. So. Um, but uh, also in that district, Montgomery County. Montgomery County didn't play in a pre because they host that Gateway Holiday Classic after Christmas. But they did go 1-0 and with a victory over Menifee County. Seems like Menifee took a tour of the 10th region here in this past week. We've mentioned them more than we've mentioned some of the, the 10th region teams. But, uh, you know, Montgomery's up to 3-5 and five now. I think uh, Coach Bentley's starting to get a feel for that team and where he wants them to be and how he's going to get them there. But uh, they're going to have a few tests this week in the Gateway Holiday Classic, which they host. Yeah, you know, we we had mentioned the the field when they played Bracken County just briefly, but looks like they'll play Shawnee, Owen County, and then Bracken County uh, to close out the Gateway Holiday Classic. And, you know, it's a tournament that, that's usually a, a competitive field. And looks like Coach Bentley did a good job of, you know, scheduling his teams for, for some competitive games. And they've won three or four after a 0-4 uh, start to the season. So, you know, it seems like they're kind of, turning things around and, and, and getting it going a little bit. So, um, you know, I think it's a team to watch for and one that I I gave the bump up to uh, in the rankings this week, and, and I have them uh, second in the 40th district. And, 
I think that could be a revolving door with them in, in Bourbon County in terms of, you know, who takes that second spot to, to get into the, to the region tournament this year. And I as well, and it's kind of, it'll be kind of interesting to watch because I think, um, um, and I know coach Campbell's really high on his basketball team. And um, he said in the preseason, when I talked to him that he felt like the beginning of his schedule was really tough and he expected some uh, kind of bumps along the way and, you know, starting out one and five, he's going to have the task now of trying to, uh, keep his guys focused mentally to where, you know, they don't check out, you know, like you said, you know, it's frustrating when you're one and five, you know, it's hard to stay engaged and, you know, stay focused. And if he able to do that, I see some wins coming up for Bourbon County and, but um, Montgomery County and coach um, Bentley is a, as a team. And I know how coach Bentley coaches. He's big on execution. He's big on running offenses and teams that are very undisciplined defensively will have a hard time guarding, you know, his team by the end of the year. And um, I definitely look for Montgomery County. I think I, I put him in the top 10 this week, which is three spots up from where I had him last week. So I definitely see them making a jump. You trying to go over some rankings? Let's do it. I mean. Mine didn't change an awful lot. Um, I'll start with my with the boys that I have. Uh, you know, GRC one, Mason County two, Campbell County three. Harrison County at four, Bracken County at five. That did not change for me. That's my top five as well, same order. I moved Augusta up to six, Brossert seven, Scott eight, Montgomery County nine, Bourbon County 10, Robertson County 11, Calvary 12, Pendleton 13, Paris 14, Nicholas 15, St. Patrick 16. So as you can see there from last week, I moved Scott down two spots, moved Brossard up, and then I uh, moved Robertson down and then bumped up Montgomery and Bourbon. So uh, not too much of a change just because, you know, like we'd said at the beginning of the show, not many games this week, but um, that's kind of where we are um, here. Let's hear yours. Well, um, our, our top five's the same. GRC, Mason, Campbell, Harrison, Bracken. I also have Augusta at six. Um, I kept Scott at seven just because I still feel like I don't know anything about Bourbon or Montgomery yet, and I didn't want to penalize Scott too much. I mean, they're still playing without a full roster. I still think when they have a full roster and healthy, they're a top six or seven team in the region. Probably should have dropped them a little bit farther. Um, but I've got Bourbon eight, Montgomery nine, Brossard ten. I got Robertson 11, Calvary 12. Then our 13 through 16 were the same. Pendleton, Paris, Nicholas, St. Pat. So once again, as we've mentioned on every show, we pretty well know who one through five is, and we pretty well know 13 through 16. It's that six through 12 that can probably change, you know, from night to night. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's going to be the case like that all year. But at least I think come January, we're going to start to see a lot more in-district and in-region games, you know, this – these least two weeks over the breaks are it's just tough because there's not a lot of in, in district or in region games um, other than maybe if, you know, teams meet at their holiday tournaments or, you know, you just got a one off where Calvary and Scott play this week. So it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, an interesting season as things kind of grind on and what teams are really going to start improving and what teams that, you know, maybe we think, you know, is going to, start making steps and they they don't yet so you know it's like you said six through 
twelve is, is going to be tough on a on a weekly basis. Yeah, and it's something that we'll we'll be able to talk about this, you know, probably every week, and how you know these rankings, you know, will change, you know, pretty much like I said, night to night, depending on who plays. But I also agree with what you just said. We probably won't really know how good any of these teams are till they start playing more 10th region teams consistently. You know, in December, there's a lot of out-of-region teams and plus all the the tournaments you go to. You know, for example, you know, we don't know a lot about some of these teams these guys are playing. And, you know, for example, Bourbon goes to Mercer County. I don't know a lot about the teams that are going to be playing down there. So until they start playing more 10th region district games, it's probably going to be kind of a revolving door, you know, in our 10th region rankings. But – um We've mentioned a lot of individual things to this point, but um, I want to mention Kylan Henson and LJ Connor had really good games against Tate's Creek. Kylan had been one who'd been struggling scoring the ball for Augusta. Um, he had a kind of a coming out party scoring 22. LJ Connor's been a kid who I feel like has provided a lot of energy for Augusta this year. And um, he's had like inconsistent game scoring, but I think LJ's still learning that he can uh, impact the game just with his energy and defense, he doesn't have to score 14 to 20 points every night, you know, to have an impact on the game. So those two had really good games against Tate's Creek. Um, we kind of mentioned Caden. He had 29 versus Williamstown and 20 versus Holy Cross. That's not to mention how many, you know, assists and steals he probably had as well because he's a kid that does it on both sides of the ball. And um, and I mentioned how Ethan Mulling had 29 in the win at the great or the Smoky Mountain Classic in Gatlinburg. So, um, any other individual performances you're aware of? I know you mentioned Chase Walton and Alan Brasino, but um, we also mentioned Jerome Morton and the all tournament team at the King of the Bluegrass, which I think is something that deserves recognition. Yeah, I mean, we've hit on a lot of kids. Um, you know, Nate, Nate Mitchell had a, a good last game against Pike County Central. Um, I believe he had 27, 28 points. Uh, where are we at? Uh, I know, you know, Aiden Hamilton had two really good games. Des Davey had two really good games last week, both double-doubles, 19 and 10, 20 and 10 against St. Henry and Walton Verona. Um, who else are we missing out on? Um, you know, I, I've combed through, and, and I don't know if, you know, anything else really exceptional, you know, stuck right. out in terms of, of great games. So, Well, this is my plea to the 10th region coaches that actually listen. If you have any kids who have good games or achieve milestones, please drop me a message, email. Most of you have my cell phone number. Most of you have me on Twitter or Facebook. Um, drop me a message. Let me know because we want to promote all of our 10th region kids and teams. So um, this is uh, our plea for your help as well. If you if you have any, you know, I know Jeremy Ziegler reached out to me about the Scott Winter Classic and getting those brackets out there, and he thanked me for us doing that. So anytime you all want anything out there, just let us know, and we'll get it out there. Yeah, and then just adding to Reed, you know, the 51 points he had in the game was was a single-game record in program history. So, um, you know, he's he's getting close. I believe he's 24 away from, from 2,000, so that'll be, a you know, a big thing to watch for this week. Um, you know. And I'll be honest with you, Evan, that's that's kind of a big deal because Bracken County's had a lot of great individual basketball players over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, and Blake being a well, sophomore, 51, yeah. uh, is the most in a single game in program history because I know they you know Austin Crawford, a great player. 
back when I played that, a kid named Ashley Halls, who I think scored 40-plus, I know, a few times. So, um, for only a sophomore, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and, you know, the way he did it, I think he was like 20 or 25 from the field in that game. So, he was just unconscious, you know. But, you know, hopefully this means that, you know, maybe more people talk about him, I guess, since, I don't know, certain certain people think that he's overlooked. And I, I get it, but at times, you know, I think winning comes a, a lot to that too, you know. And if he keeps carrying his teams to victories, there, there'll be a lot more talk surrounding him as well. Right. And um, Blake's one that I think, you know, and Coach Reed told me when he took over that he felt like it could be two or three years before he got his uh, – program in place. I think Coach Reed has definitely changed the mindset and the culture um, just over the last couple of years. Um, um, and I think I read somewhere on Twitter that seven wins before Christmas, this is the first time since, you know, I don't remember the exact year, but to have seven wins before the Christmas break was, you know, the first time they've done that in a while. So I think he's changed the culture. I think he's changed the mindset. Um, so I definitely think there will be uh, – you know, and this is going to be sound kind of silly because it's at Bracken. But, you know, if you're going to win the All-A here in a couple of weeks, it's going to go through Bracken County. I think they're going to have their their fingerprints on the All-A. And, you know, I know I've got, got them first. And then if no, I got, you know, then Brosser. Those three, you know. So if you're going to win the All-A, you're probably going to have to go through Bracken County. And you got to, they're going to have to earn it too. Like, you know, you said you play, they play Augusta, a county rival, most likely than Brossert. And then I, I think it's going to be your Calvary Robertson winner in the championship. And you got to face a Justin Becker in a championship game. Anything can happen. And then, you know, Calvary's got a very formidable team too. So I think that, uh, you know, whoever comes out of that, that three team bracket right there, I mean, no disrespect to Nicholas County, I think is the one that very well could come out on top and, you know, get themselves to Eastern Kentucky University for the all A State Tournament. And it's, you know, speaking from experience, um, it's definitely a great experience to, to know you represent your region at the state level. I just hope with COVID this year, the All-A chooses to uh, have it. Um, I know the All-A is not, you know, kind of sanctioned with the KHSAA. Um so I hope that whoever sponsors the All-A this year, I hope they um, choose to find a way to make it happen. If you, if you remember last year, I kind of started a, a Twitter protest and we ended up having to go to West Carter, which my kids got the opportunity to play. So I was okay with it. But, um, you know, I wanted my kids to have that opportunity. So I hope whoever it is this year representing the 10th has that same opportunity. Yeah, I mean – and. I get it. You know, I get both sides of it. And, uh, but playing at Eastern Kentucky University is a lot different experience than playing at West Carter on a Tuesday night or Thursday night, whatever it was. I mean, it, it's just an experience you want your kids to be able to play on a Division One floor, you know, uh, where they can, you know, pack the, pack the house. And heck, we were there, you know, when you guys went, um, you know, a few years back. And I think it was 2018 when you played Clinton County. And, uh, I mean, all of Mount Alva was there. So it was just a, well, a great experience I, for those kids, you know. And and that's one thing that a lot of our kids mentioned after the game. You know, we took a very good West Carter team last year into overtime on their home floor. And, you know, you know when you go to the state level at EKU, you're getting referees from different regions. We had to play, you know, with the 16th region refs, and um, they did a good job. You know, it was a very good game, went into overtime. Um 
But, you know, like you said, the one thing that the kids mentioned was how it didn't feel like a state tournament. And I'll be honest with you, if I hadn't had the opportunity to play at one at Frankfurt or one at EKU, I'd probably be a little upset with that experience. But, you know, I still wanted to try to fight for my kids and give them the best chance possible. And and that's what it was. And that's how, you know, it happened. And I think St. Henry, Saint- have- Henry should send me a Christmas card for uh, – Making sure it was played because they ended up winning it all. Yeah. Did now? How did it work when you got to the final four? Is that when it finally got to EKU? Yeah. So you had to win like two games or something. Yeah. If we would have beat, if we would have beat West Carter, we would have yeah. hosted St. Henry. Oh God. <laughs> which would have been, you know, granted, St. Henry ended up being the Class A state champions, but it would have been nice to be able to host that yeah. at Robertson County. Yeah, and they, but, they had some dudes, man. They, they had some killers on that team. I love that team last year. Wyatt Veith, man. They, they straight went to Cuff Cath and said, all right, let's go, let's go. And, and, I mean, they beat him in the region tournament. And, I mean, that's that was pretty awesome to, to see that. And I, it I, was. I, but, uh, I, I like seeing smaller schools kind of do their thing, you know, especially in a game like that when you're facing a school that's got all those resources and kind of cherry picks who would who plays for their program and – and no offense to, to Scott Rustas, he's a he's a heck of a coach, but uh, you know they they've got quite a few resources to make themselves a contender every single year, and they'll be right in the mix for a state title this year too. Right, and yeah, and um, I think by them winning the King of the Bluegrass, that kind of cements their where they are in the state. So, well, if you ain't got anything else, we'll go ahead and end it right here and um, let everybody know that we'll be back next Sunday. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody and looking forward to a happy and healthy new year and uh, excited this week for for some basketball. And I'll see you over at the Fieldhouse this week. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. All right, man. See you. Here at the Stay Hot Podcast, we hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. We would like to wish everyone a Happy New Year. Stay tuned and stay hot.